out on the beat like Bow Wow Cone Rolls wanna be Mike Laced up to the top, about to take flight Meet me at the rim? <laughs> yes, I keep it going Yeah, I'm flowing like a prophet I am chosen to fix this world that is broken Here's a lesson better noted We all try to be civil Hashtag shut up and dribble Pledge allegiance to the flag While they emptied out the mag Take a knee for the politics Got him on the knees, now just suck it Whoa, no homo Don't choke, get it right, Tony Romo <laughs> Yeah, that was kinda raw, wasn't it? Finesse words all day for the fun of it Nowadays no one cares Cause a man can't say and get away with No punishment Ah, but don't sit well with me I lost change, but it's still incomplete Gotta be more radical than Malcolm Xing out all possible outcomes Trump sparking School's marksman Got wall fires, that's sparking Can't forget kids are starving But they the only folks marching How much longer? Will this linger? Stacking problems like Jenga, issues piss life with stingers, and I'm out two fingers. What is going on, my people? We are back at it like crack addicts. You know who it is. It's your boy, Hardy Boy, back with another show for you guys. Of course, I got my favorite co-host, the OG, Hardy, right there. And then the princess of the show, Snoop, right here on my left. How you guys doing today? What's going on? What's going on? What's up? We up and ready. First of all, let's address that applause. That applause was real. That joint was longer. That took like 15 minutes. (laughs) Man, that applause was so real. We appreciate the audience cheering for mm-hmm. us. We got another show for you guys today. Kind of pretty much we're going to expound on a lot of topics that we talked about last week going from there. So first things first, we always want to address the the biggest headline that's going on, COVID, saying that that will probably be a good portion of a lot of our shows going forth. So we're going to address that, the numbers that we have as usual. So the COVID numbers right now worldwide are nine and a half million cases almost 5,000 deaths. And then within the U.S., we have two and a half million cases, roughly, and over 125,000 deaths. So those are the numbers that we're at right now, worldwide and within the state. Also, the top states that are seeing the biggest uproar and risings are Texas, Arizona, Mississippi, Florida, and South Carolina. So yeah, that's where we are right now. And, uh, you know, I think me and my dad just watched a White House briefing where Vice President Pence was elaborating on a lot of stuff and they were expounding on the graphs and how the numbers are declining, but they are still numbers. I think that's one of the biggest things we're at right now. I really think that's false, but they manipulated the map to look as such. But when it comes on with, uh, you know, in the morning news, they actually show what states are spiking and what states are maintaining and then those that have dropped off. That ratio is flipped tremendously, but again, we got to go by what they say. Also, I'm pretty sure like Texas and them are closing now, finally, because they actually spiked like we talked about last week and now we're talking about today. So it's just ironic that they're now choosing to close now that it's gotten worse. Right. So a lot of closings happening. Also, a lot of states are moving into phase three, which means allowing movie theaters opening up and being able to sit inside restaurants. So it's kind of a dangerous move that we're making, seeing, like you said, the numbers are high and Texas and certain states are closing back down that we're moving to phase three. But, you know, as we, we've been talking about in the House that the, the country has viewed a couple casualties is worth the economy booming. 
Yeah, it's like in the beginning, the numbers were lower and we were fearing for our lives. But now that we're at like insane amount of COVID cases, it's like, oh, well, I guess it's just going to do what it wants. We still going to open up, though. That's very backwards to me. But here we are. <laughs> Money over everything. But uh, yeah, California is spiked as well. They And they, I guess it's the weather, man. California, how do you keep them indoors? And that's... The, the states that are showing up are really, you know, nice states where you got to get outside or want to get outside. So they're the ones that are really being hit the hardest. Your Arizona, your Florida, your Texas, California. Those those are good states, man. That's where you want to be outdoors. But we're not adhering to the, the mask and the social distancing. So we're pretty much back where we were two months ago. But again, the vice president telling us otherwise that we're not at that level yet a couple of scientists have actually come forth and presented something to help but a helpful thing to help is google and apple have come together with a bluetooth covid setting on your phone so if some of you guys have faced that where your phones were shutting down or updating or having issues google of course partnered with androids and apple with their apple products released this partnering app that allows you to know if someone if someone has been affected within thirty feet within it's the called tracing. It, that's their tracing mechanism, right? And they said it's it's still doing what it does is it still protects your privacy, keeps you private, but it will alert you if someone was infected with COVID around you. That way, you can self self isolate yourself and quarantine yourself and stay kind of away from them. Yeah, to view that, I know you got to go on iPhone. I don't have it, but I think mom's had it on hers. And you go to um, privacy and then health, and then it should come up, the COVID research thing. So and For you, Samsungs and Androids, it's in your settings. It's under Google settings. So if you go in there, it'll be the first thing listed there. Is so it an icon or is it literally a link it's, or It's hidden. So. So no, it's just it's hidden in the settings. So once you go to Google Settings, it'll be up there, and then you can kind of click on it. It'll take you to your next steps of how to turn it on and turn it off. So that's I think that's where it is. It's it's not an actual app where it'll be on your applications page or your homepage, but it's placed right there. COVID has also affected Hollywood. D.L. Hughley, a huge name, one of the kings of comedy was in Nashville this past weekend and felt faint, very exhausted. Two minutes into his show, he actually passed out. His manager luckily caught him, um, saw him slurring his words and whatnot, so they were able to catch him before he hit the floor, but he suffered from it pretty badly. He said he was asymptomatic. So no symptoms, no signs, and then you have it. So... Like they say, it has a delay effect. It's so brand new. We don't know what the signs are, what the symptoms are, how it applies to, you know, the next guy or girl. So it is, we have some scary, uh, scary uh, times right now. And uh, I think he went home to L.A. to recover. And I think he had an incident there where he might have passed out as well. But he said he will be quarantining in his L.A. home for the next 14 days, help himself bounce back from that. Hopefully, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to him. Make sure he comes back safe with a full speedy recovery and make sure his family is also safe as well. Oh, I just want to add a note. I'm sorry. Uh, speaking of 
you know, care and health care. Uh, Obamacare is under the threat of being, you know, dismissed or trying to dismantle the Obamacare, the Affordable Act is what it's really called. And, uh, you know, this, this administration is going at it again. So they're asking, you know, the Supreme Court to, to shut it down completely. But the reality of it, like a half a million people have joined since the pandemic, at least it's up to a half a million. So it's been spiking like hundreds of thousands of people have joined Obamacare because they've been out of work and they've been out of a lot of them had health care with the jobs that went away. So it's been shown that Obamacare is, you know, the health care for the, the common man or woman right now. So, of course, it's a debate whether it still applies to us or if it's even good for us. So, But the, the numbers show that a lot of people think it is. So today's show... Like I said, we're going to expound on last episode's show, episode two, where we talked about comfort and being uncomfortable. And we touched on the ideas of the talk and whatnot. But today's, I mean, today's episode is uh, surrounded around privilege and how to recognize it, what it looks like and what it is out there. And a lot of people, they're aware of it, but they don't know how common it is in today's society, especially, you know, amongst the United States, especially, as you can see, that's going on right now. And because of this, a, a couple incidents have resurfaced from the past due to George Floyd's untimely passing and the movements and the protests that's been following from this ignition. So a huge one that has been circulating is Elijah McClain, a young 23-year-old man who was arrested and was became dead in police custody August 2019 in Colorado. The big story behind that is he's a man who, as he stated, was an introvert. He enjoyed playing music for animals. He was just walking home from the convenience store when they said there's a suspicious activity going on. He was wearing a ski mask walking home because he suffered from anemia, right, Saran? Anemic? Yeah. Yeah, he suffered from anemia. And the police just walked over and spoke to him and then arrested him, you know, kind of being a little bit more harsh with him. He was a smaller man, about 145 pounds. He was fighting back a little bit, trying to, you know, of course, not really resisting arrest, but, you know, fighting and trying to recite his rights. And so they called the medics and the medics came to sedate him, but ended up giving him too much you know, for his size, I, I think they gave him a dosage for a man who's over 200 pounds and he's only 145 pounds, which ended up putting him into cardiac arrest a few times while he's been in the, the ambulance making his way to the hospital and ended up dying before making it to the hospital. And the biggest thing about this is the fact that it had to resurface eight months later. No one's been charged. Police nor medics. It's just kind of went, uh, got swept under the rug. And a lot of people are, are not happy about this because of recent things that's going on with Breonna Taylor's people arrest not being charged or arrested. You know, a lot of things like such a, is happening around us. And the fact that this is allowed is a privilege in itself. Why is this allowed? Why is time allowed to pass 
with no full investigation, no one's charged. It's almost as if a life can be taken and there's no accountability for it. Well, that's the systemic racism we live in. And, you know, the quarter for that is if you encounter a black American, you do this to them. If they question the detainment or or haven't been pulled over, you kill them. If they resist, you kill them. If they run, you kill them. So it's systemic, man. Black lives matter. And a lot of other things, like I said, uh, it's really unfair that this can happen. And I want to expound on more than just police privilege and white privilege. I want to talk about corporate privilege and everything that goes on. There's a lot that goes on with the idea of privilege. And like, like my dad said, systemic racism is almost ingrained in you from a young age. So growing up, this is what you this is what you know. This is what you're taught. This is what you see in the streets around you in societies. And even on movies, we were watching Boys in the Hood and Straight Outta Compton this weekend. And, of course, a lot of the cast members are black. We're in the hood. And we have black police officers. And now you would think a black officer wouldn't treat other black members, you know, the same race in the community this way. But they're looking at them and saying, saying such harsh foul language and such harsh words and degrading them as if they don't have, if, as if they don't share the same skin complexion as them, as if that if they didn't have on this badge or blue, you know, suit that they wouldn't be facing the same issues that he is delivering towards these members of the community. And so with that, I, I just think it's, like he said, it's it's ingrained. It's systematic. It's, it's funny how we can accept this as a social norm today. Well, Brianna, the officers, again, the one that came into the house with a no-knock warrant and, you know, bust into the apartment and shot her eight times. He's been fired. That's the most that's been done so far. And the Aubrey, the guy that was jogging and was you know, murdered by the father and son duel with the guy Femin. They have been indicted, but we all know that indicted doesn't mean convictions and then jail time. So we're still on the fence with that. We'll believe it when we see it. But those have been, you know, this week, the the status updates on those. The Aubrey uh, incidents, the uh, suspects have been indicted. And Brianna, the guy was uh, supposedly the one that, you know, pulled the trigger, has been fired. So we'll wait to see how that goes as well. Yeah, that just doesn't make sense to me because I feel like Brianna Taylor's is the most clear cut case. There was no resistance or whatever. She was literally sleeping. So how and I know all this court stuff is a process, all that, but I just feel like they need to be convicted and in prison, but oh, Saran, the guy that was in Floyd's case, didn't they see him somewhere? Oh yeah, he was one of the officers. We'll let Lamar touch on that, but one of the officers Ale- was Alexander Queen King Queen, something like that. Alexander Queen Queen. I can't really pronounce it, but yeah, continue. He was walking around in the store. It wasn't Walmart, but we'll say Walmart just for you know, comparison. 
and he was just walking around and a girl caught him on video it was like oh is this you and he was like yeah that's me and that in the picture as one of the officers that took part in the George Floyd situation and he was like I'm just out here getting essentials holding a pack of Oreos essentials to what like I you don't need no Oreos but it was just really interesting and because the title is privilege. So it's kind of like he has that privilege to be out in public and the fact that he feels comfortable being out like that with everything that surfaced because of him, basically, and his peers is kind of like, wow, so do you even feel remorse or anything? So I'm personally glad that she called him out in front of everybody and got it on video. Uh, ignore that giggle she has. She's laughing about it. Uh, we were talking about pronunciations of words, so she was really trying her hardest to pronounce interesting correctly the right way. We were having a little tomato, tomato, <laughs> potato, potato. Data, data. She was she was trying to focus hard on that. I heard it, but no, she's right. Um, the fact that he can just have someone go to the store for him, like you know, the t- the subject is still touchy. It's still hot out here, and for you to just really be able to walk around amongst the people as if you did nothing, just nonchalant you got released on bail that that's the sickening part that the lady is trying to bring to attention while she's videotaping and recording is this man literally was a part of a murder and is walking through the store grocery shopping like he's just an everyday civilian that's no that doesn't work and again that comes with the and i and like i said that's the privilege and there's so much there's such there's so many different levels of privilege that we want to talk about like especially for people of color you know me and Saran grew up, half our family is in the country. So, of course, they got the slang, the little country down south slang. So when we go back, it sounds like, you know, we're from the city and they always ask us why we speak so proper. But, you know, growing up in the urban, suburban city with a majority white people around us, we learn to articulate. But to white people, it's like, wow, you know how to articulate. Or, you know, when your parents have to name you with a white name, like John, or, or a name that you can pronounce. It's we have to we have to give ourselves names to pronounce that way, you know, in the future down the road, when we're sending in a resume for a job opportunity, the CEO or the manager isn't trying to determine who we are. A lot of times, a lot of students get into college based on their name until they meet them and realize this is a young African-American male or female with great grades. You know, again, another is a bunch of stereotypes. Another one is, you know, my sister's biggest pet peeve, the hair. You know, she was talking about having to Google something. She was talking about updos for prom and it gave a bunch of pictures for white girls and people with slick and silky hair. But now I got to take the next step and say how to do updos for black people, how to make peach cobbler for black people. You know what I'm saying? There's always, there's always, we always have to make that extra step that added initiative to connect with something or to find something that fits for us. And, it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't always have to, we shouldn't have to always insert for black people at, at the end of our sentences. So the, the, the system just automatically spits out uh, the white version and we have to add black to get our, our version. So yeah, it's, uh, it's the way of the world and it's real. And I just kind of, like we said, at the end of our topic last week, we were talking about the talk we really need to recognize and address these 
privileges and systematic racism and talk about it in our household, not only people of color, as we've always done, but you know, now white people need to talk to their children and educate each other on what needs to take place. Like I said before, me and Saran, we can expound on the white people's history as well as the black people's history, but we have to know both. We can't just be complacent with knowing black history because we're black and so that's handed down in generations in, in the household. But in schools, we're learning more about white history than we are about black history. And no, I don't count Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Harriet Tubman as enough black history. Those are your mainstream, as we would say, black activists or you know black history leaders. And that's not enough. We have a lot of people that we don't know who have made huge contributions to the world, but end up getting imperialized by white owners. And now they're putting their names on what we've created. And so they kind of fall to the wayside. Or we don't know much about their history. No, we need to open the book and actually dive deeper in. We can't just accept that 28 days or leap year 29 days is good enough to touch on the history and then we just don't see it until next year. No, we need to make this an everyday thing, an everyday effort to learn more about our lineage, to learn more about our history because there's a lot to it and both sides need to know this, not just us. Both sides need to know this just as well, just the way we have to know theirs, the way we know how they came over here because if you want to be technical, the Americans all came from an oppressed and a suppressing situation when they were overruled by the monarchs and they wanted their religious freedom. So why did they think it was okay to do the same thing to another group, bring them to a place where they don't have freedom and forced to learn their history and abide by their rules? Ooh, we, that's the one. You had to take us back to that, but you did. That was a good one. Well, they did recently or this week name the uh, NASA headquarters in Washington, D.C. at the Mary Jackson Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's huge. Mary Jackson was the, if any of you guys have seen Hidden Figures, Janelle Monet portrayed her character. She was a engineer for NASA that helped get us out into space. But so that's that, all. Go ahead, Sam. That, that goes into, like, Lamar saying we need to learn about these things. So finally they gave us more information on something because before nobody knew these Black women were um, engaged in getting us out into space. But so now this is some more knowledge that we can do research on and see where our, you know, presence was and how important we were. How was that vital mission was neglected from being in the history books? Something that powerful, something that game changing of the world. Because we was going, you know, competing against Russia. The movie illustrated that. We was going back and forth. Who can get up there first? Superpowers, yep. And this dude said, I'm not going. Go get the smart one. Who are you talking about? Are you kidding me? They left that out. They didn't tell us about that. How can you not? So there's a lot of hidden gems like that or our history that we can, you know, be proud of as making this world the, the, the type of world it is as far as technology, as far as engineering, as far as, you know, uh, inventing the, you know, different products and all that inventions and all that, man. It is, it's astounding what role we really played in making the world go round. 
And to kind of expound on that is the closest we got to a black person in space was Mae Jameson. She was the first black astronaut. That was, we were heading, we were head over heels about that. We were like, oh yeah, we finally made it to space. We're in NASA. Come to find out we've had these three women and others in there way before her. Pushing the buttons. Way and allowing for, and allowing for Mae Jameson to be the first African-American female to, to make it to space. That was crazy. And we just never knew that. And I was so proud that that story came out and Katherine Johnson received her Medal of Honor from President Obama for that. That was just the greatest. It was a great moment, man. I was I was really proud and it really touched me to know that. But, you know, like I said, like I don't want to not elaborate on the privilege and stuff that goes on around us. Uh, one of the another thing that resurfaced that we were watching was the story of Freddie Gray, a member in Baltimore who if you guys remember back the Baltimore riots, you know, igniting and stuff like that. Freddie Gray was just a man walking in his community and he made eye contact with a police officer. He made eye contact with a police officer, took off a ran. And that was enough for the police officers to run and chase him down, go arrest him, slam him on the ground. And then within an hour of his arrest, he was in a coma. And then within that week, he was dead. And again, another another incident swept under the rug. No one knows about it. No investigations. No police arrested. Just another man dead without accountability. Well, I think they, you know, was that the one that set Baltimore on fire? Yeah, so, that was the one. Right. Eventually, as you stated, but uh, yeah, supposedly he was in a designated zone that was you know, a high crime area. So that, again, gives them the green light to detain. And you're at their mercy or their discretion. Once they detain, that's the common denominator there is black plus detain equals. I'll let you fill in the blanks. And there are a couple more examples that I kind of want to expound on. I know a lot of you guys have seen the the Connie Go Home memes going all over social media where a, a member, a true activist was bringing forth an issue to a board, to a board meeting. And a member of the board is literally over there on her computer online shopping. And she has the nerve to say that it was a pop-up. And her whole screen was covered in dresses and sales and prices and whatnot. I am presenting to you an issue that I have for the board. And a member of the board is not even listening to me. That is an act of privilege. She felt like she didn't even need to sit there and listen to anything. Another example, I brought it up last week, Ryan Clark, his son. COVID, you can't go inside to the fast food restaurants to get no food anymore. And, you know, his son didn't have a car. So what he did was he walked up visually visible to a car, kind of waved her down, asked her if she could order some food for them, and he was going to give her money. All of a sudden, she's cussing him out and giving racial slurs and telling the cashier that not to serve them and now he's yelling at them and saying they're a disgrace and whatnot and as she drives off so she gets her food for free because the cashier felt like she was being harassed and then she drives off yelling the n-word and other racial slurs to these men as they drive off and to ryan clark that hit deep because that situation could have went worse 
that situation really could have ended up really bad for his son, say, if she called the cops and now the cops are there. We've seen it all over the media. Another one, Bradley Beal, recently was pulled over for having a nice car. This is a professional basketball player being pulled over for having a luxurious car. And they were like, oh, we didn't know it was you. You know, it just looked like you were driving too nice of a car, driving while black. And then probably one that we just surfaced today is the one with Darius Leonard, a Colts linebacker, is that Chipotle, they're waiting for his food, and they're discussing Black Lives Matter movement and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, a white customer sitting at another table goes and complains to a manager, and the manager kicks Darius Leonard, a Colts linebacker, and his family off the property and the facility based on the accusations of a white man who didn't appreciate the conversation they were having to themselves, not to him, not to anyone. So it's just, it's just sad that a lot of this can just happen. And, it's, and again, it's privilege. You, there's white privilege, there's police privilege, there's corporate privilege. The fact that they have the right to do this kind of stuff based on your race is sickening. They do yeah, not have man. the right. Go ahead. True. His main Darius um, main argument was like, I'm this big athlete. I'm a professional athlete, and I'm still getting treated like this. So even with all my like accomplishments, all you still see is color, and that's really crazy. He just couldn't fathom that. Like I'm still not equal to y'all. Y'all still don't feel like I'm important or something like that. And that's why the apology came from the CEO, and that's why he the linebacker spoke out because has had he just been. John Doe or Tyrone Doe, or just an average, you and I, right. right? He wouldn't even got that press he got. You know, it would have been you know business as usual. But because he was a professional player, utilized his platform to illustrate that this is commonplace again, the norm. And the only reason it's blowing up now is because we post black. Everybody's pro black now. You know, we we're the latest thing. So. Everybody's, in certain cases, look like they're getting bolder and, and bold and they step right. up and, and step out there. Right. The more the more we expose them, the more confident and bold they are. Like I was watching, I saw, I was scrolling through my Instagram this morning, and a white man is driving through Grantsville, Maryland, and in the yard he sees a dummy hanging by a noose with a re-elect Trump sign and four women jeering around it, like just happily and what he said was this was so sickening this was such stomach turning to me i had to pull over and he said the, the thing that only made it worse for me is to imagine if a black guy was in the car with me or a black man was riding this and he saw this why how would he feel about this you know what i'm saying and, and and it leads to me to kind of think back in history you know the way we went from the articles of confederations to the constitution is it time to reconstruct or renew or amend a new constitutional document for the country now it seems like it seems like that's where we need to go apparently because the same way we move from the articles of confederation where the states could mandate their own laws and stuff like that to the constitution which made it federal it kind of seems like we need to do a reconstruction of our constitution now because it i don't see all these men all men are equal is is not being portrayed very well with the current constitution that we have right now. 
Well, it's legislation, man. Once we go to the ballot box and change the legislation and make the definition fit the Constitution in real life, in real time, you know, the, the piece of paper is good. What's on the piece of paper is good. It's that different interpretation, and that's the legislation. We got to get our interpretation. We got to get our uh, people that value what we value in these positions to make the change, to make the, you know, and that's voting. Again, we got we to gotta vote, man. Yeah, man, we gotta we gotta make a change somewhere, and you know, NASCAR is actually working to make that change right now with Bubba Wallace. Speaking of noose, right? Like, and they just re- they just released the picture revealing the rope that was supposedly holding doors open. Mm-hmm. Um, the FBI did an investigation for NASCAR, saying that the the noose or the rope hanging in Bubba Wallace's garage had been there since October. So I'm what I'm confused about is there's a couple of things. One, who holds a door open with a noose? You know what I'm saying? That that doesn't work. Two, if it's been there since October and we knew it was there, how did Bubba Wallace end up getting that garage? Out of all the hundreds of drivers, Bubba Wallace got the garage with the noose in it. And three, it, it, nobody, we, nobody would have noticed it until a black man got in there or until, like my dad said, we were pro-black. The one black driver in the whole organization gets the garage with the noose in it. They said they looked, uh, and looked into 1,600-plus garages around the country. 11 of those out of the 1,600 had those kind of makeshift ropes holding the door together. But only that one had a noose (laughs) holding the door together that belonged to the one black driver in all of NASCAR. Really? And to hold the door open, you could tie a shoelace together. You know what I'm saying? Like, even a Boy Scout can't tie no noose. You gotta be for real. Be <laughs> That's someone. like intricate detail. Like to tie a noose for real, looking like that, nah. Right. You <laughs> gotta be able you gotta know what you're doing. And for them to say it's not a hate crime, and I agree with Bubba Wallace. It might not have been a hate crime for him, maybe, but it's it's still a noose and it's there. It's present. And just like the Confederate flag is present in NASCAR, a noose is present. So this is this is almost like a norm. This is not like anybody was shocked. I, I I don't I don't I wasn't really shocked when I when Bubba Wallace made made this claim because it makes sense. The fact that they can fly Confederate flags over the track and stuff like that and whatnot that that's almost kind of a slap in the face, man. And then you miraculously have a noose lying in the corner of the one black NASCAR. Ra- who as black people who watches NASCAR who does NASCAR? the one person and we can't say like a fan or somebody did it. It had to be an inside job because no one has access to the garage. Drivers don't even have access to the garage. So that tells me it's business as usual. They've been walking around since October. They seen the news there, but that's how we roll. So only 
that dude stepped out and said Black Lives Matter, take down the Confederate flag. Now we look at it like, oops, this can't be. But it's been there since October, and we just been walking past it, using it, tying down the door as usual. A systemic, dude. Systemic. It's, uh, it's ingrained. That's what it is. This is nothing new. Wow. That's sad, man. It, it truly... It, and like I said, man, it, it just looks like it's getting worse. So uh, it's, it's a lot. And I hope Bubba Wallace can, you know, be safe and bounce back. You know, Jimmy Johnson, one of the head men of NASCAR, has formulated all of NASCAR to be behind Bubba Wallace and support him. And that's a huge thing. Again, white peers using their platform and, you know, their names to assist and help. And we need to call out on them. We, we need them to truly help because that's the only way we're going to make the difference. That's the only way we're going to make it happen. And I was really happy to see Jimmy Johnson orchestrate all this, you know, with Bubba Wallace hugging him and making a rally for him and, you know, allowing him to, you know, kind of be the face for NASCAR for a little bit while this is going on. I appreciate Jimmy Johnson kind of stepping down off his pedestal to raise us up. That that really was good to see. Tom Petty, the king, hugged him and came down and came out. He's 80-something. And we won't elaborate about his past, but he's found, you know, he's born again, so to speak. So Come to Jesus. Great, right, the great Tom Petty uh, embraced him. So that that carries a lot of weight you know if we're gonna think forward forward thinking we we need to accept that and yeah we're making headway and that's a beautiful thing so we're gonna keep it you know yes sir beautiful thing florida's probably one of the most beautiful states as we like and the nba and wnba is trying to figure out how they're gonna get down there and play man but uh uh, there's a lot going on with the WNBA and NBA. Both COVID and Black Lives Movement are huge components in trying to make this go or not. If is it is it right that we should play and protest? Is it safe enough for us to go down here? Like Saran said, Florida is one of the top states with COVID issues, and so every time it's like every time we seem to have something work or seem to make headway for something, you know, another issue comes up or not enough information comes out. Yeah, the numbers uh, in the sports world with uh, positive results from the virus is is escalating. Both the NBA, the MLB, the NCAA, it's, it's, those are serious numbers and it, they can't be ignored going forward. So, uh it's interesting going forward to see who can actually show up. Are they doing it for the love of the game or, you know, there's some pushback from some of the players about, you know, family, and this and that, you know, they're not going to put them in jeopardy. So. Uh, yeah. So the NBA is doing that, uh, dealing with the bubble, uh, the dome, trying to make sure that it's safe enough with the COVID testings and whatnot, make sure we're safe there. MLB has actually come to an agreement, at least. I think that's probably the first sport, team sport, that has come to an actual agreement. Uh, July 1st seems to be the training camp day, and then opening day is going to be July 23rd and 24th with the 60-game season, fairly shorter than original seasons. You know, they do over 120-plus games a season, so this is going to be something new for them. 
So we'll see how that goes. Again, don't really know too much, many more, too many more, de- uh, <laughs> too much details about it. So yeah, like I said, it's it's really hard. Like sports is really hard to do because it, it requires being in contact and being around people. You can't really be isolated. And COVID, the pandemic is really not allowing for stuff. Every time we feel like we can go out and make a move, the numbers spike. And we can't we can't keep looking at it as, you know, normal casualties as if we can spare a couple casualties to make this work because the economy will be better or we need this to work. We we really gotta take everything into consideration because, you know, things aren't safe. And they're not they're not really it's not safe out here. And then on top of that, a lot of players don't want to distract from the Black Lives Movement movement. Black Lives Matter movement. It's too big of an opportunity for them to pass up on and just to jump back into sports for a distraction for the world to bypass this situation. We got a couple of mystics ladies that have opt out, you know, from participating because they, like you said, feel that the movement is more important. So, uh, yeah, the WNBA players are also uh, taking a stance and not, you know, plan instead is, uh, you know, staying conscious and participating in the movement instead. And I know a lot of people are still kind of waiting for LeBron to say his viewpoints and, and his spill on it. He hasn't really come out to say anything about how he feels about the league or what he's expecting or anything about the Black Lives Matter movements and protests that are coming on as of recent with the NBA protesting and playing. He hasn't really said anything, but you know, a couple of other celebrities have actually said something. I know J. Cole released a song, Snow on the Bluff. Um, a lot of people had mixed feelings about the song. He, It was as if he was too vague. He didn't really elaborate on a stance, really. He kind of just said what he said and allowed it just to float out there. But that's yeah. what... I feel ahead. like J. Cole... Like the J. Cole and Kendricks, we already know where they stand, though. So he's been making music about this. They've been woke, been conscious. So for them to kind of attack J. Cole like that is strange to me. Because you know, he'd be out there in the streets with, like, his people. So I don't know. Chappelle said, you know, this ain't about the celebrity status. The streets are talking. So, you know, that's 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 where they are. You know, Chappelle also agreed that this is not the time for, you know, our celebrities to get involved. The streets are doing a, a very good job and for us to be there to to back them up. Yep. And Wale actually dropped the EP, a six song EP. You know me. Got to represent the DMV all ways. So he's going to get that. <laughs> Wale the district. They got some settings on this joke today. I like it. But yeah, Wale dropped the EP, six songs, and yeah, he spoke about some other things. But his main thing, if you see the out the album cover, is talking about the Black Lives Movement and the protest that's been going on in his stance. And he really it was really well. I advise a lot of you guys to go check it out. Um it's out on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music. So yeah, go check out Wale's new EP. And along with Wallace's new EP, there's a lot of other artists dropping some new music as well. I think Saran's got a list of a couple of people who's dropping some new projects out. Yeah, you know, we got our women out here doing big things. Megan just dropped. 
Gotta Hit, Girls in the Hood, off a sample of Easy es Boys in the Hood. We got the City Girls out here making us feel powerful. Supposedly Tiana Taylor's album. I haven't really listened to any of these yet, but I'm I'm getting to it. But they're all pretty great, I hear. So go ahead and tune into those so we can feel empowered again, women, because men are trash. I repeat, men are trash. <laughs> I heard that. Speaking of things to read or things to see, uh, there's a, a new brother on the scene. Well, he's not probably not new, but I'm just... Uh, been becoming aware of him, uh, Wes Moore, uh, out of Baltimore. He's got a book out, I think, entitled. But just his whole collection is something that we need to uh, try to get on board with. He's a bright cat and uh, very conscious. And I've seen him, you know, lately on CNN and Breakfast Club. And he has a very deep conversation. So again, Wes Moore, give him give him some some of your time and, and listen to what he's got to say. Which rolls you right into where, Saran? Uh, your girl, Amanda. Yes, sir. BT Awards coming on this Sunday at what eight? Probably seven or eight. But yeah, so definitely tune into that. BT Awards is on virtually, hosted by Amanda Seals. Hopefully, they're definitely going to touch on some Black Lives Matter for sure. I know they got to put something there on that. So that should be enjoyable. Are they going to knock my shy out? Oh, that's BET. My bad. So you can still check out the shy. I know. That first episode of the shy was out of this world. But, uh, yeah, I might have to record that. (laughs) Yep, so that's basically what's going on. And as always, before we like to close and conclude the show, we want to give you two things that's going on. And these are pretty these are pretty comic reliefs right here. I know we actually have a little story for y'all. I know we've been constantly reminding you guys and reiterating you guys to how important it is to vote at your local polls for the state. So of course, we gotta live. We gotta. We gotta walk the way we talk. We gotta live by what we preaching. So me, Saram, my mom, we're going to vote at our little polling place. We're pulling up to the spot, and the parking lots are pretty empty. It's pretty vacant. So we're like, okay, maybe we early, or maybe you know, not a lot of people gotta vote because it's it's a it's a state local voting. It's not the big federal primary. So we're like, okay, we can understand. So we get in there, and we're greeted. The three of us are greeted by this pretty elder white lady and her her face lit up she was so excited she that damn near almost came and hugged us but she was like yes we got three of them and we paused so fast and looked at her pardon and it, luckily for her saran had her sunglasses and mask on because i know that face turned upside down but she was yeah. like yes we got three of them and come to find out that the poll location was for the Republican Party to have a candidate to go against our Democratic Party. Apparently, our state already has a Democratic representative, so there's no, and there was only one. They just don't have a replicant, a replicant, a Republican opponent to go up against them. So that's who have been doing their voting in the state of Virginia. So they've been doing that district by district, trying to find a representative to compete against him. And so, of course, me and Saran hit a, a huge U-turn, and my mom's still trying to figure out, making sure everything's correct and whatnot. But it was really funny because 
her excitement and the first thing she says, yes, we got three of them. Wow. Yeah, it was like, hold on. All I'm saying, like he said, she's like, yeah, I have my sunnies and my mask on because y'all know me. I can't hide nothing. Everything is on my face. When I hear something weird, I'm like, huh? And it was all on my face. So she lucky that I had my mask and stuff on or she would have been offended. She really would. <laughs> uh, but she thought she was a winner. And man, Saran is not the one, boy. It is not the one. And so, and in other news, of course, we've been working, getting it in. We actually just got an elliptical installed into our house this past Oh, my elliptical ride, baby. It's a family affair, huh, Saran? Yeah, that joint ain't that that joint ain't playing. I be sweating buckets off of that. Man, it's huge. You be thinking, and you would think, you know, the elliptical be easier than running, which it is, but you get about five, six, seven, eight minutes into that joint, you breathing hard, and your chest is like, ooh, you got to slow down on that. And, you know, you want to do 30 minutes to an hour, but by the time you get to minute 10, you like, dang, I got another 20 minutes of this joint. That joint vicious. But, yeah, we just been trying to stay consistent, you know, do things as a family and, you know, work to stay in shape or get back into shape for some of us, so – you know that, and it's really cool. It's fun to have, and it's convenient. I think that's the biggest thing is the convenience of it. The fact that we can get on it any time of day, as long as we want, multiple times a day, and you know, still feel like we're getting that working. Because, like I said, me and Saran, our athletes, we we feel like we gotta make sure we're staying in shape. We always gotta be constantly doing something. So, it was really cool that you know my dad had that installed. It was impressive. It looks nice too. It looks like the ones in the gym. Mm-hmm. It costs about the same too. By the way, I used to be an athlete. Whatever. Oh. Right. Oh. Right. Bounce back. Uh, Bounce back. Right. <laughs> and to close, of course, we're gonna leave you guys with a gem, like we did in the previous episode. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And with that. Two fingers, peace and love. Two fingers, two up, two down. Two fingers, deuces. We out. How much longer will this linger? Stacking problems like Jenga. Issues piss life with stingers. And I'm out. Two fingers. <laughs>